the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Tuesday, August the 10th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 10, 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was sworn in as the second female justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Today in 1792, during the French Revolution, mobs in Paris attacked the palace where the King Louis XVI resided. The king was later arrested. He was put on trial for treason and then executed. Not a good day for the king. Today in 1821, Missouri became a the, the 24th state. Missouri, I think, is the way you pronounce it if you're from there. Today in 1831, William Driver of Salem, Massachusetts, became the first person to use the phrase Old Glory in connection with the American flag. <clears throat> he, um, he gave the name to a large flag on board his ship, the Charles Daggett, called it Old Glory. The ship actually became kind of known as Old Glory by friends. Today in 1846, the Smithsonian Institution was established in Washington, through the bequest of James Smithson. Today in 1945, a day after the atomic bombing of Nagasaki, Imperial Japan conveyed its willingness to surrender, provided the status of Emperor Hirohito remained unchanged. The Allies responded the next day, tomorrow, and they said, we, not you, will determine the Emperor's future status. Today, in 1977, the U.S. and Panama signed the Panama Canal Zone Accord. Jimmy Carter guaranteed Panama would have control of the canal after 1999. And today, in 1988, President Ronald Reagan signed a measure providing $20,000 payments to still-living Japanese Americans who were interned by their government, the U.S. government, during World War II. That's a few things that happened in history today. We do that every morning. If you're a new listener, we look back before we look at the current events of the day. That's why we originate live each morning at 9 a.m. on ACN. And then some of you hear us delayed a little bit, uh, but it's today. We're looking at what's happening today. This morning, GHP Management Corporation and several other companies owned by developer Jeffrey Palmer. He's a big deal in the city of Los Angeles. They filed suit against the city of Los Angeles for $100 million. The suit was filed because of the eviction moratorium. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And please don't say, oh, that's boring. What else is on the radio? No, I, I want to talk to you about that in the context of how we've gotten to some of the things that we're doing both in the church and in the government. So I want to talk a little bit about this eviction moratorium. It on, the, on its face, it sounds good, but let's take an honest look at it. These guys don't think it's good at all because they own rental properties, and they're hurting, even if they're big. 
So they filed this $100 million lawsuit this morning over the eviction moratorium. They say the policy has resulted in massive losses to their firm. Well, there are small guys, little guys around the country that own a few rentals as well, and they're hurting. This is really hurting people who have invested in real estate and um, have rentals. Some of you who are listening may be among them. The suit further alleges that the plaintiffs cannot find help from banks who will not refinance mortgages on properties that fall under the city's eviction moratorium. Interesting. John Adams, our second president, famously said, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion, avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry, will break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. President Joe Biden has become the whale, while the leftist radicals celebrate and cheer him on. It's a party. Jonathan Turley is a professor at the of law at the George Washington University. He's a conservative kind of, but he's not a Christian, and he's I don't think he's a Republican. I think he's a Democrat. But anyway, he's neither celebrating nor cheering the president on. He's upset. He's very upset, and he's questioning, and he's concerned about the tactics of this president. And he's talking about, in an article published in The Hill, which is not a conservative publication, it's not as far left as some are, but it's not conservative. But it was his article is published in The Hill yesterday. It's not a particularly conservative even article, except that he's taking a position of what is right constitutionally, and that's what he does for a living, is teach law. He reminds us that during the 2020 presidential election and and the campaign, then-candidate Joe Biden told voters, he told all of us out here, that the choice between him and Donald Trump was between the lawful and the lawless. He called for voters to support the rule of law, our Constitution, a choice repeated It was almost mantra-like during the campaign. I remember that. I'm sure many of you do, too. We, We didn't see much of Joe Biden, but when he came out of his basement, we heard him say this. He said it often. He said, he told the media, and they reported it, you know, like it was, you know, right out of the gospel, whatever. He would tell the media, I will end Trump's assault on the rule of law. That's a quote, and it was said multiple, multiple times. He would end Trump's assault on the rule of law. Now, six months into his presidency, and Turley makes his point, Biden is openly flouting the Constitution with a knowingly invalid extension of this eviction moratorium. And some law professors and advocates are on the left, and they're cheering him on. They're clapping. They're saying, yay, this is a man of courage because he's willing to break the Constitution. This issue clearly has a moral and a legal aspect to it. Stay with me. Don't take off. I'm gonna. I'm not going where you might think I'm going, but just stay with me on this. This issue obviously has a moral and a legal aspect. My pastor's heart constantly guides me to the needs that I've seen in my own lifetime. 
years as a number of years as a youth pastor and years as a senior pastor, a music pastor. Believe me, that's what God called me to do was ministry. I've never run for political office, nor do I intend to. I would kind of like to, but I don't think that's what God wants me to do with my life, but he may want you to. And if he does, respond, because we need people who are biblically based in politics, for sure. But people that are honestly out of food and out of work and unable to pay their rent, clearly they need help. And I think a lot of churches, certainly the church I pastored, man, we had this, it was like a 7-Eleven to help people. They would come in and like go shopping, but they didn't have to pay. But I saw the other side of that as well. And the person that was in charge of that was a pretty big operation in our church. The guy that was in charge of that was a retired missionary. Actually, he was an ordained minister, but he was a retired missionary who had spent, he and his wife, years in Africa as missionaries. And he was in charge of that. I'll never forget that he came into my office one day and he said, Gary, he said, have you got a minute? I go, yeah. And he said, man, he said, I've, I've spent my life on some of the darkest places of the of the earth. But he said, I never quite get used to people who come in and look at all this food in this, this 7-Eleven, in this pantry thing. And he said, they go through all of it. And they go, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't eat that kind of spaghetti. I eat this kind of spaghetti. Don't you have, what, don't you have any of this kind of bread? And he said, it's unbelievable. And he said, then when we meet with other pastors around the city, he said, we find out these same people are hitting every church in town and they, they're taking groceries way beyond anything they could possibly need for themselves and their children. And they do it repeatedly on a weekly basis. So there is that side of it. And I, I don't say that with any cynicism, but I say it a little bit with a hurt heart. I mean, I wish it weren't so, but it is. And we must keep that in mind. But my pastor's heart goes to people who are are against the wall, and it always will. But there are those people that are simply gaming the compassion of authentic biblical Christians willing to help them in the name of the Lord. And ultimately, we do what we do to help people in the name of the Lord, as unto the Lord. And then when we do it as unto the Lord, what they do with it is their responsibility. But I think we're called to be wise in how we help people in social situations. We're called to be informed and to be wise. But we also most, most, must look at the plight of landlords, people who have invested, not rich people like these guys in L.A. that's suing the city, but just ordinary folks that have have a rental house or have something that they've invested in their life wisely, perhaps, probably. And all of a sudden, the renter doesn't have to pay. And they go, oh, that's okay. There were several stories out last week on this issue where they, a guy, he owns, I think, 12 rentals, which is a lot, but it's not a lot by standards of, again, the group in L.A. that filed the suit today. But there's going to be more of those lawsuits because, the president has broken the Constitution. And we're living in a time when that is not only called out, but it's celebrated. And that's the issue that I'm getting to today. So, 
a guy in the news the other day was I think it was in Minnesota, Wisconsin. <clears throat> excuse me, somewhere up there. He was he had he I think it was twelve rentals. They were homes, small you know homes, but they were rental homes. And he said immediately when when the CDC initially uh, put on the moratorium on people that didn't have to pay rent, immediately two of his tenants went out and and bought one of them bought a new boat. The month that this CDC put this uh, moratorium on paying rent in place, and then he said the next the next within the next month, within the next few weeks, this other person, unrelated, I mean, other than that they were tenants of his, went out and bought a, I think it was a, I think it was a snow machine, like a a snowmobile thing, getting ready for winter. And he was kind of beside himself because he said, I'm in a position where I haven't paid off these rentals. But he said, I, you know, they were cash flowing. And he said, now I'm really over the barrel and going to have to, you know, sell them on a fire set, whatever. That's what's going on in regards to these kinds of decisions that are being made. Well, the moratorium uh, that the CDC had put on renters having to pay rent. And again, I know there are people who this has impacted. It's impacted all of us. I understand that. And please understand, my heart is with those in need. I've been in need. So have you, I'm sure, at some point in your life. And I understand And we need to be helping people in the name of the Lord. But when it comes to the government and the government flouting or flaunting the Constitution, that's serious stuff. And that isn't God's will. And that isn't what the Bible teaches. So that's where we are. The CDC is assuming way too much. And so is Joe Biden. He's playing along. By extending it. A few weeks ago, the Supreme Court ruled on the authority of the CDC to oppose such a moratorium in the first place. The moratorium, when I say that word, I mean you don't have to pay your rent anymore. It was set to expire. The Centers for Disease Control claimed that the federal law gave them the authority, and they've done this before, but they claim that the federal law our federal law gives them authority to make, quote, make and enforce such regulations as in its judgment are necessary to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases. Now, I've got to add here that if President Biden was really trying to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases, he would make a beeline down at the southern border. He wouldn't be facilitating and welcoming hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens across our border flooding into the United States, over 200,000 in July, 20% of whom have COVID. That's where we are today. I talked about that at more length yesterday on this program. But Turley is severely criticizing the CDC. He said it means that a constitution designed to prevent tyranny and authoritarianism becomes largely irrelevant if you put on a white coat. And that's exactly what's happening. And he says Biden's complicity in this gives the CDC, a government agency, authority over huge swaths of our economy to avoid even the possibility of the introduction or the spread of a disease. And they're doing a horrible job. That's my words, not his. But the Supreme Court recently upheld the CDC in the case 
Brett Kavanaugh voted in favor of the CDC, but he later said, or he said in his writings of his, of his, you know, voting in favor of it, he said that the reason he did was he thought it was expiring in a few days, and he, he never dreamed that a president would take the position of extending something that's illegal. But he did. That gives you a picture. Biden says legal scholars are celebrating. Well, some of them are. But his own White House legal staff told the president that he could not do that lawfully. It's unconstitutional. So Biden told his chief of staff, this Ron Klain guy, to call Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe and get him to affirm what Biden was about to do. Essentially, Tribe is an outlaw professor. He's tenured, so he's like safe. He has no... He's been advocating for packing the court. He was declaring Trump to be an actual terrorist and on and on and on. He's crazy. And people pay him to teach their children and educate their children. And they're proud of the fact that they went to Harvard Law School. I mean, that's how pathetic it is. But anyway, he's the guy. He goes, yeah, yeah. He said, you can do this. Tribe Tribe told Biden that what he was about to do was technically could be considered a new order. Turley says it's like being given parole for stealing a BMW, then immediately stealing a Lexus because it's a different car. And Turley points out the problem was not the act. It, I mean, was the problem was the act, not the car. So that's kind of what was going on there. The president had said earlier that he was going to risk the Supreme Court denying his extension of the eviction moratorium, but he would do it anyway. This flawed thinking played into the actions of the president. He said it may be worth it to violate the Constitution to get this done and get this money out there to these people who are not paying their rent, but to get it out there, not to the landlords, but to the to the renters, forty five billion dollars before the Supreme Court shuts me down. The Wall Street Journal wrote a whole article on this just a couple of days ago. Biden is now being hailed for his courage. One leftist news commentator said one small action. Biden reveals himself as a better leader than Trump. And on and on it goes. That that small action was violating the Constitution, the document he swore to uphold, so help me God, at his inauguration. Gutting the rule of law is now somehow seen as a sign of leadership in action. And that's kind of how screwed up we are in America today. The end justifies the means. When confronted about this, Biden says to the press, I've seen him at least three times in the last few days. When the press asks him about that, and some of them have, I mean, it's very blatant. It's just anti-constitutional and he knows it. But he said, I think I can get the money out and move the socialistic agenda forward before the Supreme Court shuts me down. (laughs) I mean, what do you say? The end justifies the means. Truth is what you say it is. Turley said just six months ago, Biden declared his election would amount to the triumph of the rule of law and would show that the flame of democracy cannot be distinguished, even with a pandemic or the abuse of power of Donald Trump. He's now trying to blow out that flame while attempting to excite political demands for extra constitutional action, Turley says. 
Daniel Webster, one of the most skilled senators to ever serve our country, he said, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster. What has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. Eric Mason has written a book titled Woke Church. The book is calling for a new movement, which he labels the woke church. In his book, he's advocating views that the world and the mission of the church, and he's doing so through the lens that come from cultural Marxism, not the gospel. That's part of the problem that we have in our government today. I don't know if he himself is deluded or if he's just trying to deceive others. I don't know him, but I know his book, and I reviewed it. He argues that the church must be busy righting the wrongs that we see in society so that we can gain access to people's hearts. But that gets it exactly wrong according to the New Testament commission of the church, what Jesus told us to do. We're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what Jesus said. I mean, he said that. This takes really takes that and turns it on its head, but it does so in the name of the Lord. And I just identify Eric Mason. There's others that are doing the same thing. If we're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples so that those people can be discipled and can be the light of the world, and there are more and more and more people as we reach people and they become saved, converted, born again to Jesus Christ, They go out into the world and they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we do the right thing and we stand for righteousness in politics, in the culture, in education, in entertainment, and all of this. Of course we do. But to say that that is the path to salvation, and it's it's a very divisive message. But I think that's at the heart of the confused people like Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, whose pastor said she's a wonderful Christian and she is just so faithful and she's there and she turns out before she became famous and turns out for all the, you know, the social justice events and so on and so on. In the last few years, we've seen the ocean of the world begin to swamp the ship of the Christian church. Now, I know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But at this moment, there is quite a contest This has already happened in mainline denominations. We know the stories. I talk about it on this program often. But that threat is now reaching some of the evangelical churches. The Southern Baptist Convention had a big to-do this summer in their convention over this very thing. The gospel and the social justice gospel. They're not the same. Here's the source of the problem. The devil has effectively enticed many churches to welcome this godless ideology into their environments. And it's do- he's done it through the Trojan horse of what we call social justice, what they call. The net effect of that is that the worldly ideologies are undermining Christian teaching and they're taking Christians hostage, in bondage. Through these ideologies, attempts are being made to redefine reality and reorder the lives of Christians and our nation and Western civilization as a whole. Look at what's happening It all comes back. It's not political, it's spiritual. Chief among these ideologies is cultural Marxism. That's why I talk about it often on this program. 
this adaptation of classic Marxism from economic to cultural view of history. That's what's going on. Marx failed miserably. So Gramsci and some of these guys have redone the, the Marxism theology or ideology, and they've made it into a theology. Cultural Marxism has become the worldview of this rising generation, and our churches are so silent, they're so afraid to address the issues of our day in our culture that the kids grow up in their pews and they don't know what they believe. They go off to college and they hear some nutcase, like this Lawrence tribe at Harvard Law School, and they go, wow, I didn't know that. And all of a sudden, the devil has conquered the kid because the churches are silent. They go, well, we... That's politics. We're, we don't want to get into that. Someone might leave the church. Let them leave. Preach the gospel. Preach the truth. I'm probably not that great of a preacher, but boy, when I was a pastor, I spoke to the issues, and I'm not using myself as an example, but I'm merely reflecting my own experience. That's what I know best. I preached the gospel, and I spoke to the issues that are going on. And some of you listening to this program, you were a member of that church. In fact, a number of you were. Some of you were. I don't know about a number. Maybe some of you have gotten tired of hearing me and checked out. No. But I spoke to the issues. And 201, if you were a part of that church during those years, you know the people weren't leaving the church because you had to try to find a parking place on Sunday and try to find a seat when you got... People don't leave churches over that. If they do, let them go. God bless them. But preach the gospel. Stand up. That's what's going on in our world. During the past few years, Barna has identified, George Barna, the survey guy, he's identified a group that he calls nuns, not like N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, like nun, not a zero. That group of individuals, they always mark none on religious affiliation. It's a young group. So that has been transferred to mean, for the most part, in interpreting these uh, surveys, to mean that they don't have uh, a religion. They're not religious. But they are religious. But it isn't traditional Christianity or classic Christianity because they haven't heard the message preached in a way that they were willing to assimilate it. Like direct. The truth. Nuns represent the rapid rise in this new religion. The kids are saying, yeah, wow, that makes sense. What they're doing is laying out a path that is the path to God is social justice. When you see that everyone has been equally helped, you are a compassionate person. That has replaced godliness. And compassion is, is, we're told to be compassionate by Jesus but it's not the path to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works. We're saved by the Son of God dying on the cross and being resurrected from the dead by accepting him as our personal Savior. That's how we find salvation, not through the works of social justice. And that's what Joe Biden, he doesn't even know what he's doing. But he's fallen into that because he he's proud to be a devout Catholic. And yet many in the Catholic Church are saying, please don't call yourself that. You're not. But he's trying to do the works of godliness in the framework of ungodliness. And that's what's going on with this eviction thing. Well, I'm out of time. Boy, I have some more to say. But we're out of time. We'll continue our conversation right here tomorrow.
And I'll be here tomorrow if you'll support the ministry. So we can be. Thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.